You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. The ascension of Jesus is no story. The ascension of Jesus is no allegory. The ascension of Jesus is no parable. Anyone can read this text and see it is written as true, solid history. It was witnessed and documented. And one of the reasons why some people in the modern age would minimize even the reality of the ascension of Jesus is that other religions have mimicked this historic event. They've come up with their own counterfeit ascensions. An eyewitness account is only as credible as the witness. When it's one person's word against another, you will believe the person you trust more. Today, as Pastor Tom looks at the ascension of Jesus, he shows us that there was not just one eyewitness to this event. This event is not just one person's word against another. It's all the disciples who saw Jesus rise to heaven. As Luke has plainly told us here, this is a real event that really happened, just as he documented. This source is credible. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he begins his message, Why Jesus' Ascension Matters. As we were looking at these opening words in the book of Acts, we saw that Jesus described the coming of the Holy Spirit as coming to clothe his followers with power. It was his choice of the word that when the Holy Spirit came, he would bring power. Power is provided for the believer. The power of the Holy Spirit is provided for every Christian so that we can witness boldly and we can live genuinely a Christ-like life before others. That's the power. We need the power. We need the power for witness. If you've ever been in a difficult situation and you said, Oh Lord, fill me with boldness, you know you need the power. We need the power for living truth. It's hard. Our flesh is selfish and proud. We are easily deceived. We need the guidance, teaching, power of the Holy Spirit. Yet we have to say that the power that Christ made available to us is not well understood, and it's often neglected. This power was not provided, as some who are into Holy Spirit power say, to kind of build up their sense of self, to build up their ego, as if we now can control God with this power and get him to do what we think he should be doing. That's not why the power is provided. It is not power we control to do as we please. It is power that controls us to do as God pleases. You see the difference? It's a power that is enacted upon us where we yield and surrender and then God takes over. It's a quiet power. It's a power that wells up from inside. But don't let that fool you. Nevertheless, it is a very effective power. In John 7, Jesus described it as a power that wells up inside the believer, bringing us joy. It's a power that in that moment of fear 
You call upon God and his spirit fills you and you are no longer afraid. You're bold and you are, you are like the righteous man in the Proverbs that uh, is bold as a lion. It's a power that illuminates your thinking. It enraptures your whole spirit when you're in worship. You realize you can attain great heights in adoration of God because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 actually relates the power that God exerted in raising Jesus from the dead and the power that God exerted in ascending Jesus to his right hand with the same power that is operative presently in the life of all believers. Paul calls it in Ephesians 1, the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. He goes on, he says, this power is in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. He kind of heaps on terms about power there. Which God brought about in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. In the heavenly places. It's ascension power. The power of the Holy Spirit today is ascension power operative in each believer. Today I want you to make that connection. I hope you will make that connection between the power we presently have in the church with the glorified and ascended Christ. If you haven't already, please open to Acts chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 11 today. Acts is this historical book in the New Testament of the church's birth. And today we're still in chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. This is Luke's account of Jesus' historic ascension. All of this is history. Jesus' historic ascension. Verse 9, And after he had said these things, that's Jesus, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Great hint as to what the second coming will be like. The very last thing Jesus said to his disciples before being lifted off planet earth was, be my witnesses. Does that not underscore the importance of that commandment to you? This is not only the last thing Jesus uttered, but after he commanded it, he was satisfied that he had completed his teaching ministry on earth. All the times he had been teaching, everything that he had said, all the parables, he said this, and then in his own mind he said, that is enough. I've now said what I came to say. It's sufficient for my church that is about to be born to know what they are supposed to be doing. Take the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit to the ends of the earth. Not too hard to figure out. Even I can figure that out. It's pretty clear. There should be no confusion about what is the mission of the church. What work does Jesus want us 
in this local church and the other church down the road doing? We have the answer. The world is filled with many evils, and there are many good causes that you might join out there. But those many evils are not going to change. They're not. They were that way 2,000 years ago when the church was born, and they're that way now. The church wasn't put on this planet to change the world. It's going to be evil. It's always going to be evil. Trying to change the world is folly. It's just folly. It's not our mission. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of anger. We have our mission. And it's related to a kingdom that's coming. When we get to that kingdom, we'll be able to look back and say, well, what was it that I spent my time on that was actually worth it? And the answer is witnessing for Christ, building the church, worshiping God. It's not too difficult. When Christ comes, he'll change planet Earth. He'll take care of the environment. He'll take care of all the injustices. He'll take care of all of the ills, even the ailments and the lack of food. Isaiah 9, 7. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness From then on and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. Only then, at his second coming, will righteousness and truth fill this earth. Until then, we have to put up with the way it is. And we have to be his witnesses. Now, with those final orders, and they weren't orders, they were a command given. Now we see Christ ascends. This is one of those portions of Scripture which is so blessed to be able to just park it here for a while and contemplate this monumental moment in human history. This is not religious history. This is world history. The ascension of one human being, Jesus of Nazareth, to the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's what this is. Hebrews 1.3 says... When Jesus had made purification 